is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Bonnie Comley, and we cover everything. We dive deep into Broadway HD and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Bonnie Comley. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Bonnie Comley. Bonnie, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. I am so excited to talk about so much of the uh, work you've produced, Broadway HD, and so much more. But before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? You know, I don't know that I had entertainment dreams. Um, I was born in the 50s, so we didn't have a lot of entertainment. I'm from a, you know, a very uh, middle class family. So uh, we weren't part of the uh, 1%, the elite that went to the high art and culture. Um, so it was really just TV was all that I saw. And we had like three channels. <laughs> so my kids are always amazed by that. Right. So, you know, so I think that, you know, I didn't have a lot of aspirations to be in, uh, you know, in entertainment. Um, so I went to business school and then I followed that up with um, a uh, broadcast journalism degree. Um, and so learning TV production and broadcast journalism is the specialty business that I got into. Um, so because I always figure business is it's sort of like if you're going to be a doctor, you know, you're a doctor, but then what's your specialty? Is it pediatrics? Is it, you know, whatever, plastic surgery? You have all sorts of choices. And I think that's what sure. business does too, is that you can, you know, specialize in a certain kind of business. And I was fascinated with TV when I was growing up, um, didn't go to the theater. Um, and when I finally went to the theater as an adult, uh, you know, I mean, except for like, you watch your cousins in the high school, you know, musical kind of thing, but, sure. you know, for professional theater, I didn't go until I was an adult. And mm. at that point it was amazing. And it was like, why doesn't everybody know about these shows? Look at this Broadway stuff. This is amazing. Because mm. I grew up in Massachusetts, moved to New York in order to do my, um, I did an internship and then got hired right out of uh, school uh, to do a, an entertainment news show. Um, so I moved to New York and then having uh, an on-air position <laughs> for a show, it got me an agent that then got me other work uh, for acting, which I really didn't have the, training for, but my training was like proed up really fast because the more professional people that you work with, the better you become. Right. So I, um, I did probably, I think I did like nine off Broadway shows over the years and, um, you know, and then got the commercials and the voiceovers and the modeling things and the other stuff, but always looked to, you know, um, the entertainment reporting part of it and covering theater, because I just thought that that was fascinating. It wasn't something I grew up with. And I think that that, you know, early or, you know, early adult access to uh, theater as an entertainment reporter was where I realized the power of TV. Um, because, as I said, I had no acting training and to go and see people, you know, doing these, you know, singing and dancing eight shows a week was kind of like, oh my God, these people are amazing. But they would clamor to get the little, you know, soundbite on my TV show. And yeah. it didn't really, I didn't quite get that until one of the producers of my show said, you know, Bonnie, with the one segment on this TV show, these people will be seen by more people than will ever go into the theater um, and see them in a, you know, in a five-year run of that off-Broadway show. <laughs> sure. So it was like, 
oh, you know, so I think that kind of stuff of realizing the power of bringing cameras into a theater, how that opened it up to the rest of the world. So it opened it up to the people that were there, to the show as a brand. And then, you know, I, I had, you know, I, I'm just so fortunate um, to just keep pursuing like every aspect of show business. Um, part of that was, I think, from having an undergraduate degree in business and knowing that all of it was a business and all of it had to work, you know, uh, commercially, entrepreneurially, you know, in order to stay in any business. Um, and so, you know, I learned everything that there was to learn um, about doing a TV show. And then that translated to everything you needed to know with doing a movie and then everything you needed to know, because these are all collaborative mediums, right? So whether it's theater or TV or film or, you know, it, it's all a team putting these things, these, you know, art pieces together. Um, and so the more you understand what everybody's job is, the easier it is to communicate in real time. Um, you know, with theater, uh, so often we talk about the, you know, the development of a show takes seven years, right? So it's somebody comes up with this concept or we're going to turn this novel into a script. And it, it's, it's not usual for it to take seven years. And in that seven years, it just feels like everything is in slow motion. But once you actually start it rolling with you booked your theater and you're going in, it's on steroids at that point. And there's no room for error at that point. You know, um, you start heading into a theater and it's just like, woo, you know, so the to understand what everybody else's job is, is really valuable. Um, whether, as I said, it's that theater or TV. So to understand what the lighting designer is up against with all of this, to understand if the, you know, if it's the, a, a television piece, you know, to understand what the camera person's job is, to understand what that director is doing, and to be able to have that vocabulary to shorthand in, you know, that fast-paced environment to say, this part isn't working, or we need something over here, and then to be the mediator at times for putting the other team members together that don't all understand each other's vocabulary sometimes. So I think that that, you know, that broad scope of understanding, um, you know, I want to say everything in the business, um, but it's a, you know, it's a surface knowledge, let, let's face it, you know, I don't specialize in every single thing. I mean, there's things that I'm really good at, um, but there's other things that I just kind of have a little bit of an understanding and can get myself um, by or in trouble with. So, um, so that sort of thing is always what, you know, led to the, um, you know, the, the Broadway HD business, because um, with theater, anytime that I went in and had the opportunity to bring cameras, I got such a positive reaction from people. You know, they were all like, why don't you do more of this? You know, so shows that I was involved with that I could do well, what we call digital capture. So we call it digital capture or a live capture or the other is a pro shot that people call it. And the pro shot is really the sort of theater fans um, uh, term for it not being a bootleg. <laughs> that's why it's a pro shot. So these digital captures or live captures are 
you know, you when it, somebody was authorized to go in um, and, right. and do these things, because for years there's been uh, bootlegs of theater. Um, but just like with the music industry, the more legit, the more authorized captures there are of it, their bootleg business kind of falls to the side because there's no need for it. So a digital capture, to be clear, differs from a movie in that, you know, the Hamilton that everybody's familiar with was people went in, a crew went in with cameras and shot what was going on on the stage. So they didn't change anything about what was going on on the stage. They just went in with cameras and shot that. That's very different than Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights movie or the, you know, the last West Side Story movie that it's not done in real time. It's, you know, a scene by scene or song by song. And it's very different how it's shot than if it's a, you know, Hamilton's a two hour musical, we go in and shoot it, you know, that two hours and they, they did it multiple nights or multiple shows, but it's basically in real time. And then sometimes we do what we call, you know, pickup shots or isolated shots. So we're like, okay, we want, you know, the bullet to be, you know, in slow motion and we want to, you know, like a close up of that. So they sort of isolate certain moments that if you have the budget for it, that you can get more of those moments to add to your digital capture. But that's very different than the film of something. Um, And with Broadway HD, our opportunities to get digital captures of stage productions um, was, you know, when we started, and Broadway HD is uh, seven years old now, going into seven, our seventh year, I can't believe it. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, so when we started, it was like every opportunity that we could get, we'd go shoot, shoot these shows. Because my husband, who is my life partner and business partner, also believes that by the time a show gets to a Broadway stage, it's absolutely worthy of being seen by a broader audience than the ones that can just get the tickets inside those, you know, those seats inside the theater. Um, You might like one show better than another or something. You might not like the plays or you only like musicals or you only like, you know, the (laughs) vice versa, Mm. but you can't argue with the production values on a Broadway stage. There's 13 unions that put a seal, uh, you know, a level of um, professionalism um, a quality control seal on those productions. So, you know, any opportunity that we have to capture something, we're, we're in there, we're trying to get it. Um, and I think that, you know, over the years, it's, there's been resistance to it, um, but we're seeing that sort of slowly fade away, not completely, it's still there, um, but we're, we're finding it to be more common that people are, you know, producers and the creators of the shows are allowing the cameras to come in. Um, and I think that, you know, the unions are in favor of it because as I mentioned with the difference between a digital capture and a pro shot, when a, you know, a, a pro shot, you know, difference than a bootleg, you know, than a, than a pro shot, you know, digital capture, live capture, the authorization is the big key here. So when you do a professional shoot, you have the authorization and you have the approval or the permission, if you will, from all of the unions to go in and shoot the show. So everyone that is supposed to be compensated is compensated. Whereas with a bootleg, 
that doesn't happen. You know, somebody's got, you know, the cell phones are amazing with the captures that, you know, with the, the video that they can shoot, they shoot these amazing videos. Um, and sometimes they, they actually get multiple can you know, multiple phones going on in the theater at the same time. Um, and they look really good, but they're, they're not the same. They're not authorized. And the money doesn't go back to the people that are creating that show, which I think is really the, you know, one of the, the big values of it. Um, and uh, so that's like the difference between the, the, the captures and the, you know, the, the terms of the captures and, and who's authorized to do them and where the money goes. Yeah, the, the very interesting thing about Broadway HD starting in 2015 is you're very ahead of the curve from the conversations that happened during COVID with capturing shows and going all the way back to the beginning of just having three TV channels, right, to now all of these, these ways of consuming entertainment. Is there anything you learned or any standout lessons in adapting, changing quickly, changing courses, moving forward? Seven years ago, digital marketing or marketing was very different. If we look at marketing for not just theater or live entertainment, but for everything, it has changed. Facebook has popped up in such a huge way. Google is totally different. The privacy you know, issues and security issues around this, what we call digital marketing or targeting of people is, um, you know, uh, is totally different than it was seven years ago. It's different than it was two years ago. Right. So that is, is constantly changing. And I think that, you know, our, with Broadway HD, the content remains the same. So in this, you know, the bootleg world and the other things, I think that, you know, what I've learned is what our mission was from the beginning, which was to do live captures, to do Broadway shows, to do them in HD or 4K, you know, whatever the new uh, digital technology is with cameras, right. you know, so it's always what we have and how we've been described in the technology um you know, the, the OTT, the over-the-top platform, you know, conferences is Broadway HD is the high, high, high. So the first high is the quality of the content. So we do Broadway and Broadway caliber shows. The second high is the capture of that. So it's not just one camera in the back. What it is, is you've got, you know, multiple cameras. The sound is coming from the body mics of the actors. And then the third high is the platform that it's streaming off of and the consistency of the other content that's on there and the value proposition that we offer. So it's the high, high, high. And we've remained that um, now that there's more content like it that's out there. Um, and I think that, you know, we're looking at, you know, in the pandemic, there was this sort of wild west of who you know who's allowed to shoot anything how much do you charge you know so it was kind of all over the place and you didn't know what you were getting and you know everybody was streaming something and then you know let's face it, it being one of the older people there, you know the the whole technology thing people my age and older really you know, stepped up to the technology. I mean, three years ago, you could ask somebody, you know, about streaming and they'd be like, oh no, I have cable, I've got HBO or whatever, you know, they'd like stick to their thing. And now regardless, you know, like my dad is, you know, 91 and he's got streaming channels that he's streaming off of his phone or, you know, his laptop, you know, so everybody's sort of 
ramped up their their uh, you know their technology skills in that pandemic. Um, and everybody was streaming and everybody was realizing the value of this content um, and digital engagement. And with theater, the digital engagement, we talk about it in, you know, in, in lots of different ways. So digital engagement can be anything, really. It can be your website, a Facebook post. It can be an email blast. It can be, uh, you know, all sorts of different things, content that you're sending a little mini, you know, little short video to somebody. Those are all forms of digital engagement. Mm -hmm. And for theater, it goes from like the send an email to somebody, which is really doesn't cost you anything. And the most expensive type of digital content is the full length captured show. So the digital capture, so like an email, send an email is on one end of the spectrum and the full length digital capture is on the other. And in my opinion, what I've always been telling everybody is that those are all part of your marketing assets. And so the digital capture belongs in your toolbox of marketing assets for your show. Um, because, you know, expectations are... Um, altered with things like everybody heard Hamilton, you know, Disney plus bought Hamilton for 75 million to license it. You know, that sets everybody else's expectations up for like, Oh, I'm going to go get 75 million too. Sure, and you sure. know what? Good. You know, wouldn't that be awesome if we could all get 75 million for every Broadway show that was captured. Right. You know, and then got you know whatever um i think he was like he got like 20 million from netflix and um oh, right. you know uh, the diana musical uh got i think it was like 10 million from apple plus you know so these these numbers that are they're real numbers they're not you know fake numbers but they set everyone else that has a broadway show the expectations are that that's actually a real big revenue source for them. And if they don't get that, then they're missing it. Um, because the reality is to like, to go back to what your original question was, mm. you know, what have I learned is that every producer wants their show to be shot in a professional way. Right. They all want the professional capture. What they don't want is the ticket sales of the box office to be cannibalized, which means if you're trying to sell a Broadway show ticket, which right now I believe the average for a Broadway show is $125. That's for one seat. That's if you go by yourself. <laughs> That's if you don't have to pay the toll for the bridge and you don't have dinner before. You know, so it, it can be an expensive evening. So $125 for your one ticket versus you know, Broadway HD, we're $130 and we have 300 full length digital captures, you know, that you can watch. So the fear is that you are not going to buy a ticket to Phantom of the Opera for $125 because you can watch a version of it on Broadway HD for, you know, $13 a month. And you get all of those shows, you know, so that's a real fear. That is a real fear for people, especially with these unknown brands, um, the, the show titles or whatever, you know, the, 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 the being a brand. Because um, I love to talk about theater as art, but I'm a commercial producer and, you know, even nonprofit uh, theaters have to act entrepreneurially and they have to make the, they have to make the budget that they have work, mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, what I've learned is that 
everybody wants their show shot. What they need to do is control the timing of the show up against your box office sales. Because with a lot of shows that are, you know, they they pop into pop culture. Um, Theater is, you know, we've always like, oh, there's all these theater nerds or theater fans or theater. And it's a, it's a, it's a niche. It really is to the theater fans. You just think like, oh, everybody goes to the theater. But the reality is in the United States, there's 350 million people here and pre-pandemic in a, in a year, 75% of those 350 million would go to a movie theater at some point during the year and see a movie. Mm -hmm. They would, they just do. Whereas out of those 350 million in a year pre-pandemic, only 15% would go and see live theater. They pay a lot of money for those tickets and they support their theaters, but it's only 15% of our population was going you know, how do you take advantage and seize the opportunity that there's like 85% of our country doesn't go to the theater? My opinion has always been it's streaming. It's to let them know that these shows are there to know what it looks like. Broadway specifically, and most theater fits into what we previously called, and still some people do call high art and culture. So for centuries, high art and culture was made for and consumed by the elite. It was for people who had, A, they had the money, two, they had the time, Mm -hmm. and three, they were going to understand what that was. So Shakespeare is a perfect example. If you didn't have a good education, you might not, you probably didn't read Shakespeare in school or nobody told you what it was about. You know, so that having the the experiences to go to the theater and understand if there's any sort of backstory. So, and what fits into that, but opera, ballet, dance, those are all in that high art and culture. Most people don't go, they don't understand it, and they don't feel like there's anything there for them. And that's how that art as a business has survived for centuries. Um, And it's not just the United States, you see that around the world, they, in other countries, they subsidize their arts more, but it's still, even if they were going to give you free tickets, you still have to have the time to be able to go to the theater. And nobody wants to feel foolish if you don't, if you get a ticket to the opera and I don't speak Italian. So I'm just sitting here like, what? You know, I mean, I didn't grow up understanding Shakespeare. I didn't see Shakespeare professionally. I think, you know, like, as I said, it's all like some kids in my school do a production and it was painful, you know, because they didn't, you know, it, it just wasn't for me. And then as an adult coming to New York and having access to see professional Shakespeare done, I still at times struggle with the heightened language, hmm. even though it's in English, you know, so it's kind of like, what, you know, and I don't want to spend $125 for a ticket and be sitting there and, and like, giggle. Oh, <laughs> oh, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Oh, sorry. You know, I mean, or vice versa, or everybody else is laughing and you're going, I, what was the joke? I, I, that, that went right over me. So, 
you know, the, the having accessibility to it, it means different things. It means understanding it. It means seeing yourself there on the stage, which in the pandemic, all this diversity, equity, inclusion conversations that we're having has like really people are now because we sat in a pandemic and talked about it more than we ever have, um, especially in the United States, to say, oh, oh, oh I, I didn't see that that way before. I didn't know that that was that I didn't know that meant that I didn't know that you looked at it that way or you didn't. But that makes perfect sense now that you told me that, you know, um, you know, so those that accessibility thing is huge. And, you know, accessibility in digital means multiple things, too. For me at Broadway HD, accessibility means what we're talking about with the the audience. So. If somebody with Broadway HD with $130 for a year for a subscription to have access to 300 shows streaming anytime you want on demand, that kind of access for somebody that couldn't afford the $125 ticket is huge. Now they can watch for the same as one ticket. They can watch 300 shows anytime they want. There's the geography. So some people have the money, but they don't live near New York City or they don't live near one of the 200 Broadway touring theaters that we have around the country. So they could afford the ticket, but it's a two hour drive from where I live to Dallas mm -hmm. where the Hamilton's gonna go through. So if you didn't get there, you missed it. You know. And then the other type of accessibility for audiences is anybody that has any sort of physical limitations, um, you know, we have audio descriptive now, we have subtitles, you know, it's just people that have mobility issues, they don't drive at night, you know, those kinds of things are access for the audience, that the digital and streaming and bringing the theater to you in a way that you can uh, experience it is, is that kind of access for the audience. The other kind of access is in whose shows get to be seen. Okay, so, you know, we've had for years, the Broadway League, which is the trade association for the uh, theater owners, the presenters and the producers has kept the demographics, has kept the statistics on who's buying those Broadway seats. And for years, it's never been varied. You know, it is a white woman who's over 40 and has higher, usually higher disposable income and usually a higher education than just high school. Um, and that's in like the 41 Times Square theaters. You go to the touring theaters and it's whiter and more, <laughs> more education right. and higher disposable income. Um, so if, and 60% of the tickets are bought by, you know, <laughs> or more are bought by, by women. So if you, if, and all these shows, so the last full season that we had, there was like two female directors, two, I think, um, you know, composers or authors <laughs> on, on Broadway. So, you know, if, if there were more women, like, and the women are already buying, what kind of access would you open it up to for people to actually see themselves on the stage? And it, the, those statistics were worse pre-pandemic for people of color. And the LGBTQ community. So if you make those shows about a broader community, then you're 
you're going to have a better chance of of enticing the 85 percent of the country that didn't go to the theater before because right. suddenly now they're going to see themselves there and say this is for me and the streaming bringing the price down is letting them do a you know it's basically try before you buy right <laughs> we all know that from amazon and other places now is that you can experiment with things so you get a one month subscription to Broadway HD, or you watch Hamilton on Disney Plus, or you watch Come From Away on Apple TV Plus, and suddenly you're saying, oh my God, this is what it looks like inside a Broadway theater. Look at this show. I can hear the audience laughing. I can hear them applauding. This is amazing. I want to I wanna go. And so you watch Hamilton in your Disney Plus you know, subscription, and then the risk has been eliminated. So now you're going to buy the ticket for $125 or more because you know you like it. So the risk has been eliminated. And I think that's the, you know, the kind of seeing yourself and who the, you know, the playwrights, the composers are can broaden. And, and it is already on Broadway. But if those shows don't last for the audience members to come in and, and see it and then pass the word because theater is still a very, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, very much word of mouth, um, you know, it, people's recommendations. And be, and that is because of the price tag, yeah. right? So Broadway around the world is recognized as a luxury brand because of that $125 ticket per seat. So, you know, you want, uh, like, I want you, Clayton, to recommend a show to me because I know you're going to tell me a show that I'm going to like. So that word of mouth thing is really valuable because there's, you know, there's 41 Broadway theaters. I don't want to, I don't want to spend 125 dollars and pick the wrong show for me, you know. Um, and I, and I think that people are realizing that that even though Broadway is its own brand, its own genre of entertainment, there are nuances within Broadway. So as we as been said before, there's plays and there's musicals. Well, even with plays, there's comedy and there's drama, or there's Shakespeare or sort of classic literature that's on stage. You know, so even within there's other other levels, there's other types that that, you know, if you get to experiment with the digital version and say, you know what, I I've been listening to Shakespeare and I actually know what's going on here. I'm going to buy a ticket to a Broadway show when Shakespeare comes around. Macbeth right now is Daniel Craig, right? right, right. You know, you know, so you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that ticket. Now I know, I, you know, I know it's, I know what it is. I've already seen it. And I, it's that sort of reading what the show is about before you go, you know, they do in an opera, they have like these little, you know, summations of what the acts are about or something. So you kind of, you can kind of figure it out, you know, so there's that, that try before you buy and experimenting. And I think that the digital access is really the key to creating theater fans in, in our country and across the world, giving people access because to be a theater fan means you have multiple experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've only seen Hamilton, you're not a theater fan, you're a Hamilton fan. <laughs> In order to be a theater fan, you have to see multiple shows. And that, in my opinion, can be multiple touch points to that show or that brand or that genre. So you can see Hamilton in person, 
and you can see the digital capture. You can see Phantom of the Opera, the stage version, and you can watch the version that we have on Broadway HD, and you can listen to the cast recording. You know, so there's different ways that you can get it. And there's a Phantom of the Opera movie that was out there. So these, the film, the, you know, that sort of Steven Spielberg West Side Story film is one way to experience it. The digital capture or live capture or pro shot like Hamilton is another way to view it because those would be very different. And then the cast recording is another and then going to see the live. And I think that the coming out of the pandemic where everybody was streaming before, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that it's an either or you can have both. You can, you know, it's like saying you can only go to a football game or you can watch it on TV, but you can't do both of those things. You cannot, you know, and I think those were the conversations that we had before that people were like, oh no, I don't stream. I only go in person. It's like, hey, good for you. If you're near the theater and you can afford the, you know, 125 bucks a ticket, power to you, go, you know, keep going because let's, let's let, and bring, bring friends, bring some friends with you, you know, and then spread the word, word of mouth is really what sells, you know? So I think that, you know, people now are saying, oh, I saw Hamilton. There's, they're not, it's not like a lesser version or a dirty secret, which is sometimes what people did before they talked about the digital. It was like, oh, did you see, you know, like, it was like, you know, we're all, we've all watched Hamilton, right? All the theater, the theater folks have already watched Hamilton. And the, those of us that are fortunate enough to go see it, we already saw the stage version too. And the Broadway HD and the digital captures and streaming theater is what in the pandemic reminded us. It was Broadway HD was a 24 seven reminder of what we missed about live theater. Mm. You know, you because a really well done digital capture, you hear the audience laughing, you hear the audience applauding, you can see how the actors, even if you don't see them looking at a certain audience member, or you know that they're reacting to people that are in the audience. And that magic of everybody being together, we all want to be part of that. And I think that's what the streaming access does is it reminds us about how exciting, how magical the live experience is. So you can have both, you know, you can stream something for breakfast and go to a show at eight o'clock at night. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.